Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we've been talking about overcoming this world. Amen. And hopefully the understanding now you have a better clear picture of what we're saying and the scriptures are saying when it mentions the world. Amen. And the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Amen. As John says, these are the things of the world. And so we saw last week, we broke down the word lust, and we gave four four meanings of the word lust. Lasciviousness was the first one. It was the work of the flesh. The second one was unspirituality. Amen. Of being unspiritual. You know, you know, you ever been in one of those conversations and you heard people says, don't be so spiritual? Kind of kind of oxymoron, isn't it, if you're a Christian, right? You know, what else you going to be if you're a Christian? <laughs> you know, you're, you're supposed to be spiritual, you know. So, but, uh, you know, we don't want to be unspiritual. We want to be spiritual, amen, and then sensuality or sensual and then temptation. You know, these are the things that makes up lust. And if we can bring these things under control, and that's what the Word of God is designed to do, this, is to help us to bring this flesh under control. Amen. Because the flesh, what we realize about our flesh is, our flesh is going to want to be in control because when we're born, that's where the most of the attention is given, is to the flesh. Our parents gives us Food that gives us, they feed us three and sometimes four times a day and, you know, the changes and everything else that appease our flesh, you know. And so we grow up appeasing our flesh. And so until we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't really realize how powerful the flesh really is. And so therefore we have to have something to help us temper it and control it. And that's why God gives us the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost comes with temperance. And so therefore we have to learn to all be led by the Spirit of God. As the Bible tells us. So that we will not fulfill the lust of our flesh. Called the flesh lust against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. If you notice the way the world a few years ago, you know, they weren't just satisfied. And I can take you back to my childhood. I can remember when we used to go buy six-ounce Coca-Colas, you know, and sodas was six ounces. They were little short bottles. Now, now you go to Cracker Barrel and some of these places, you can see some of those little bottles, right? But then all of a sudden, you know, somebody says, hey, we need to make it bigger, and so then they went to eight ounces, and then from eight ounces they jumped to twelve ounces, and then twelve ounces to sixteen ounces, and and it just got getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you go, and now you can get the big gulps and all that, and so you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the buffets came out, and then when the buffets came, you know, come on in, eat all you want, you know, for this price, you know. And so it's appeasing to the flesh, you know, and then churches started having buffets, and you know, <laughs> you know, and everybody want to be first in the buffet line, and so, you know, so we have to learn to control our flesh, amen, that's what it boils down to, because, you know, with it, the Bible tells us that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
And so we have to learn how to control it. And I think this is one of the reasons Jesus has implemented the thing called fasting. Because when you are fasting according to the will of God, what you're really doing is you're not only drawing closer to God, but you're bringing your flesh into subjection through the Spirit. So this is to help us to grow in the things of God. You know, you that's one of the ways you can help bring your flesh into subjection because in your times of fasting and prayer, you're drawing to God. You're drawing closer to God. You're bringing your flesh into subjection, you know. You are you're saying, "Okay, I'm in control of you." You know, I'm not going to let you get out of hand. You know, when you can get to those points to where if you walk and, and if you have a television, you know, I'm telling you, there's nothing good on it anymore. It never has been. We may have thought it was, but but it, it is. So you have to control these things. That's why, again, you've got the spirit of temperance. And so everything nowadays in the, in the media world is to a please to your flesh, whether you don't think that or not. But if you watch closely... Uh, there's nothing good on TV anymore that doesn't deal some form of sexuality. Amen. You know, it, that's just the way the world has gone. It's appeasing to the sense of sensuality in every shape, form, or fashion. And it's appeasing to your flesh in every way. You know, if you stop and think, uh, for a good example, Papa John's Pizza, you know, doing sports season, you know, you will watch them. They will run an ad, and a 15-second ad for them may cost them a million dollars. But that's a drop in the bucket to them when 350 million people in America, if one million of those 350 million people is watching the game or listening or walking through the mall and see a Papa John place, and one million of those buy a pizza for $15 a piece, you know, they just made $14 million. See? So it's, no, it's a drop in a butt to them. Same thing with Ford or, or Chevy advertising their vehicles. You know, a million dollar ad for them is just a drop in the bucket of a thousand people, you know, a million people, should I say, go out and buy a $35,000 vehicle. See? It's just appeasing to the flesh, and that's what everything is. You know, you, you watch a show, uh, you know, whatever, an hour show, you only going to get 15 minutes of the show. The other 45 minutes is advertisement to appease your flesh, to pull you that direction. And so this is why we have to have control of our lives, amen, and all this. And last week we saw that Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, amen, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he says, Flee or run away from useful lusts, but follow now after righteousness, amen, after faith. At the charity, at the peace with them to call out the Lord with a pure heart. This is what you want to do. You want to get away from going after the things of your flesh. You want to begin to follow righteousness. You want to learn how to do what is right. One of the duties of the priests in the Old Testament was to be able to discern what was good and, I mean, clean and unclean and holy and unholy. That was one of their jobs that they had. And so we are the priests now of this temple. 
And so therefore, we have to be able to discern, and that's why you read 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, you see that one of the gifts of the Spirit is the spirit of discernment. You have to be able to discern what is good and, and not good, what is clean and unclean. You know, you have to learn how to do that. And this is why it's key and essential that you study the Word of God. Amen? Because wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, Psalms 119, verse 9, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. James tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. God's word is like a sifter. God's word is like uh, gets all the impurities out. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, he says, Seeing you have obeyed the word of God, you purify yourself through the word of God. Amen. Let, let me read it here for you. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 22 and 23, he says, Seeing you have purified your souls and obeyed the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen. Notice, you're born again by the Word of God. So therefore, you need to be doers of the Word of God. Amen. Continually. Now, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in the, in the fifth chapter. If you want to flip back a few pages to Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 26. Paul says that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing and water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not have a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Amen. See, this is what God desires now. So you've got to bring this flesh under subjection. Say, because this is what God wants to do. And so the way we do that is we don't lust. But Paul tells us in Romans 7, 7, he says, I did not know that lust was a sin, except I had read in the law, thou shalt not covet it. See, you don't want to covet after things. You know, if if somebody, if Brother Wayne's got a nice car, I'm not supposed to cover after his car. I'm supposed to rejoice that he has a good, nice-looking car. You know, you know that's the thing is, is you you've got to be able to to learn how to rejoice with people and be glad with people and not lust after what they have. See, you have to learn to be content and how to wait on God. Okay, and so this is how we bring this flesh under control: is contentment. So, how do we gain contentment? Well, Paul says in Philippians 4, amen, Philippians 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We've talked about this a few months ago, right? Let your moderation be known to all men that the Lord is at hand. Amen. Be careful for nothing. Notice, be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. 
If you're missing stuff, God already knows. Matthew 6 tells us He already knows what you have need of. So if you're missing some stuff, you go to God in prayer. You talk to God in prayer. You tell God, you know, He already knows. So the good point you do, you just start thinking, God, I thank you for my new car I'm going to get. God, I thank you for my new job. God, I thank you you're going to save my, whatever. You know, started getting in the habit. He already knows, so you might as well start thinking and for it in advance. Okay? But you have to learn how to wait on God. So Paul says, be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, thank you, given. Let your requests be made on God. And the peace of God, which passive all understand, will keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Verse 7, and I mean 8, Notice, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of a good report, there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned. Notice, you learn some stuff. Amen. You learn, you receive, you heard, and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Okay? Verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you'll care of me and flourish again wherein you were, and you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11. Amen? Not that I speak in respect of what? But notice what he says. I have learned. No matter what state I'm in, I gotta be content. See? As Brother DeMove just says, Romans 8 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So you have to learn contentment. Paul says, I have already learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. See, be satisfied with what you have. And what you're doing, and just wait on God. You know, He's going to come through for you. He's, he knows what you have need of. So be content in these things. Because that's the answer to overcoming the flesh. More people are in debt. More people are in trouble. More people can't see the light from the darkness because of a lack of contentment. See, they want it now. I don't know if you get junk mail in the mail like I do. I think every day I get something. Somebody is trying to give me a credit card. Somebody is trying to tell me what I can get. You know, I I think Charter and whatever these other Internet places are and phone companies are, you know, you can get this bundle for $29.99 and it includes all this stuff, you know, and... You don't read the small print. You know, walk into the phone companies today. Everybody wants to have you to have a cell phone. And everybody wants a cell phone. And now the little flip phone like Brother Richard has is no longer popular to us anymore. And so everybody's got to have a, a not only an iPhone, now you got to have the big ones now with everything on it. And now you don't need a contract anymore. You can buy your phone and you can have this service and you can, I'll buy you out of your contract and I'll buy you out of this and I'll buy you out of that. 
To please what? Your flesh. That's all it is. To please your flesh. But you better learn (laughs) to read the small print. Contract, amen. It will trap you if you are not careful. Amen. Because if you don't read the small print and you give them your credit card, a lot of people is in a whole lot of trouble because their phone and their, and their internet and serious radio and all these other things are just rolling over, rolling over, rolling over every year because when you gave them your credit card, you signed the paper and then read the small print that says at the end of the year, it can just roll over again. Automatical renewal, they call it. People don't see that in the small print of the contract, my friend. So, so you need to, you need to make sure when you're signing up, you check that block. Do not roll my card over. You know, because if you didn't do it, they're gonna do it. And you're gonna wonder why in the world are these charges coming from? Amen. So you have to bring this flesh under conjunction. And the way we do this is we learn contentment. Amen. Paul says, I've learned whatsoever state, whether Wisconsin, Florida, Massachusetts, wherever you are. No, that's not what I said. But whatever state you are, you've got to learn contentment and learn how to wait upon God. Amen. He will come through. You know, fret not, little flock, is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Paul says in 1st Timothy 6, go to 1st Timothy, Timothy, excuse me, 1st Timothy 6, and verse 6. 1st Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Separation and holiness to God and being content where you are is great gain. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world. You came here in nothing but your birthday suit. Naked I came into the world and naked I'm going out. <laughs> TMI. I don't want to see too much. But you brought nothing into the world and you are not taking anything out when you leave. Amen. Verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us that we be content. Amen. If you got food and clothes, be content. You got a roof over your head, be content. If you got a hoopty, be content. A hoopty. A card is $2,500 or less. (laughs) I thought you you was hip. Amen. A hoopty. Huh? What do you call it? Magadi. Amen. Okay. But we need to learn how to be content. All right. Number nine. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare 
and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice, it talks about temptation. See, that's what the enemy desires, is he's going to tempt you to go after these things. See, if he can appease you with, like he did Eve, with that beautiful apple, or there was an apple, I don't know, it just said the fruit. But if he can get you to focus, say, on that, and think, I want that. Say, the enticement, the temptation, say, is what pulls you. You look at it. You lust after it. You know, what do you think they put the most beautiful car in the, in the showroom and clean it up and shine it up so that you, that's what you see. Say, and, the, and if you hang around long enough, the, it, it begins to appease to your mind. Say, and as a result, through the eye, to please the flesh. And as a result, they begin to talk to you. Man, you're going to look good in this Mustang. You're going to look good in this convertible. You know, they started appeasing to your flesh now. They start talking. That's how Satan does. Like he told Eve, oh, come on, Eve, now you know you're not going to die, girl. You know, you're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil Girl, you're going to be so smart, you ain't going to know what you're doing. Come on. You know? And what did she do? She took. She ate. The temptation, see, is usually to pull you or draw you away from your focus to God, to the object or the thing, see? And as a result, you know what the Word of God says. But you know what you do? You're like Saul. You force yourself. See? Look at 1 Samuel 13, verse 12. Notice, look what Saul says to, to Samuel in verse, 1 Samuel 13, 12. I think it's 13, 12. And we'll find out, won't we? Therefore, said I... The Philistines will come down now upon us to Gilgal, and I have not made supplications to the Lord. In other words, he said, I haven't sought God for some help. And so he says, well, I forced myself, therefore. I forced myself. And I did the burnt offerings. See? He let his flesh get in the way. See? He allowed his flesh. He knew what to do was right. See? But yet, he overrode the Spirit and the Word. See? He knew what God had said. See? But yet, he forced himself. How many times do we do that? We know what God's Word says, but our flesh says, Man, you need that. You ought to just go right on and do it. God will forgive you. That's right. 
You know, see, so you have to learn contentment. See, if God says wait, you got to be content and wait. You know, like he told David, the prophet told David, because of what you've done, now you have opened the door for the enemy to blaspheme God because of what you've done. You're the king. Huh? Yes. Amen. Lean to the Lord, okay? <laughs> amen. So we have to learn contentment here, amen, in all these things, amen. Notice what Ecclesiastics 10 and 4 says. Ecclesiastics 10 and 4, amen. We're talking about being, learning how to be content, amen. It says, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against you, hold your Huh? Ecclesiastes 10.4. If the spirit of the ruler rises up against thee, leave not your place. For yielding pacifies offenses. In other words, if your boss get mad at you, stay there. Most people say, I'm out of here. <laughs> but this is basically what this scripture is saying. If your boss get mad at you, don't leave. Be patient. Pray, because pretty soon it'll, it'll smoothed out. You know, so so don't run. A lot of people like to run and take off. You know, stay where you are. Learn contentment. Learn how to let God deal with the circumstance and the situation. Amen. I know it's not easy, <laughs> but this is what you got to do. You got to learn how to wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and I will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Amen. So we have to learn contentment. Number one, amen, is to love God more than anything else. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you must love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. These words that I command you this day shall be hidden in your heart. And what do you do with them? Throw them out the window? No, you teach them to your children. You need to teach your children at the earliest age contentment. You need to learn to teach your children at the early age how to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because the world is coming after them. We are in the world. Temptations are going to come. Lust is going to come. Pride is going to come after them. Satan is not about to let them have a free, easy walk through his world without tempting him and try to pull them. Temptation is part of life, so you might as well get used to it, and you might as well learn contentment and how to deal with it, amen, while you're in it. You can't get to heaven without going through temptation. This That's part of the world. Amen. That's part of Satan's territory that we're walking through. But you've got exceeding precious promises. 
God says, I won't leave you. I'll be right there with you. He says, when you pass through the waters of affliction in Isaiah 43, 1, he says, I'll be with you. When you're in the rivers of depression, I'll be right there with you. When you're in the fire trials of your life, they're not going to burn you, neither shall the flames kindle against you. I've called you by your name. You are mine, saith the Lord. Amen. So you don't have to worry. When you're going through things in your life, don't lean to your own understanding. The worst time to lean to your own understanding is when you got problems, when you got trials, when you got circumstances, when it seems like all hell is broke loose, you lean to your own understanding, you're walking right into the trap of the enemy. You have to learn contentment and learn how to keep worshiping and praising God. Remember Isaiah 61, 3, tell us what? He's given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That we might be called trees of righteousness, the planet of the Lord, that he might be glorified. But most of us, see, we want to appease our flesh. So the quickest way to please my flesh is what? Do something about it. See? And that's what Saul did. He saw the Philistines coming. Samuel isn't there. He's thinking his life is getting ready to be tucked. So he says, man, I'll just offer up some incense here to God. You know, I take matters into my own hands is basically. And so that's what he was saying. I forced myself to do it, you know. And Sam just said, that wasn't your job. See? And so we have to learn how to be content, just worship God, praise God, and wait upon God. See? Give him a chance to work on my house. What will God do? If I'm going to take care of it, then I don't need God. See? If I can fix it myself, why am I waiting on God? Why am I going to God for? Why am I even praying if I'm going to do it myself? See? We have to learn contentment. You know? If I can fix it myself, I just thank God. God, thank you for giving me the ability to fix this thing. You know? But if I can't, now I've got to learn how to wait on Him. Amen. This is what God desires. So I've got to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Number two, I've got to have a heart of prayer and fasting. Amen. I've got to draw to God. I've got to constantly keep my connection with Him when I'm in the trials, when I'm in circumstances. As Peter says, Beloved, 1 Peter 4.12, he says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. He says, but rejoice and that you are becoming a partaker of Christ's suffering. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you because the spirit and glory of God rest upon you. Amen. So learn how to wait. Learn to be content. Learn to rejoice. Learn to pray. Build a life of prayer. Do you know what got Job through all this mess he went through? He didn't wait for the trial to come. As soon as you open the book of Job and start to read, it tells us about Job. How he was, he feared God. You know, he was an upright man. You know, before his trials ever hit him. Job woke up every day, the Bible says in the first chapter, and he sacrificed even for his children because he says, maybe my children are sinning against God, you know. 
And so he did everything when he was in his right mind. He didn't wait until all hell broke loose on him and you can't think straight because usually that's what happens when you got circumstances and calamities and adversities and stuff. You're losing stuff and things start happening. You're not thinking in your right mind. You're thinking how to get it off of you, how to please it, how to make it stop. But Job had already built a relationship with God, so when all those reports come running after him, one on top of the other, before one guy could finish, the next one was there. Job just says, whoa, Lord gave it, Lord took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His wife says, you're going to retain your integrity forever, curse God and die. He said, you sound like the most foolish woman i ever known. Should we not receive both good and evil at the hands of the Lord? And he didn't, he didn't fool us. And then when his friends accused him, you know, Job says, he knows the way that I take. And when I'm trying, I'm still going to come forth like gold because I've already committed my life to him. You know, if, if, what you find when you're reading the book of Job, when you start getting close to the end, and Job is starting to get a little bit, you know, down and... And, and began to say, man, I wish I was never born. I wish I, my mother's breast didn't give me any milk and all that. It's because of those stupid friends he was hanging around with. <laughs> you know, you know, they're the ones start accusing him and stuff, you know, to pile more stuff on him instead. And, and Job even tells him, he said, man, you guys are all doctors without any cure. That's what he tells him. He says, if you was in this case, I'd be edifying you. I'd be building you up. I wouldn't be talking down to you like this. You know? You know? And he went through all that, and finally God shows up and talked to Job. Said, okay, Job, let me ask you a question. Where were you when I laid the foundation and everything? And after the end, God says, he got on his friends. <laughs> you know, and then he says, you guys take some sacrifice, and you go see Job, and he'll pray for you. I'm going to take you out. <laughs> you know? But we have to learn to prepare. When things are going good, still keep your relationship in church. Do what you know to do is right. Because it's going to come. That's what Job says in the third chapter in the 24th verse, 26th verse. He says, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. He says, I was not in safety. I did not have rest. And trouble still came. You know, we hear of other people's sickness. We hear of other people, you know, things people's going through. You know, when is it, when is my turn in the bucket? That's, that's what I, that's what I, you know, I say all the time. When is my turn going to be in the bucket? That my pain, that my suffering, that my hurt, that my loss, you know, is going to be in the bucket. You know, I was I was sharing the thing with a guy the other day when I was in the army. You know, every time somebody's parents died or there was a death in the family, as the first sergeant, the Red Cross lady would call me. You know, she would call me first to tell me so that I could make the arrangements to tell the individual. And every time I did one of those things, I always would ask myself, man, when is my turn in the bucket? When is it going to come on my doorstep? Am I ready 
when I get that phone call, if I'm overseas somewhere, that my mother or my brothers or my sisters has died, how am I going to react? And I had built myself up a wall of prayer and everything. And one day I was sitting at my desk. We had been home to visit my mother. My mother's health was getting worse and worse and worse, you know. And I was sitting at my desk one day, and the Red Cross, same, same lady, she called and says, First Sergeant, is the commander there? And I knew right then. I told her, I says, No, you just tell me. I says, If it's about me, you tell me now. You know, I says, Because, you know, I'm ready for it. And she just said, Okay. She says, You know, I'm not supposed to tell you, right? She says, I said, yeah. She said, because we are friends and stuff. And she says, I've dealt with you so much. She says, I just want to let you know that your mother passed. But I was already ready for it. I had, I had built myself a wall of prayer. I had built myself through fasting and prepared for that day when it came. See? Because if not, it rocked my cradle. You know? And so that's what we have to prepare ourselves for, for these things. You know, we hear it. That's what Job is saying. I heard about other people, you know. But now, am I ready when if it hit me? But see, that's why I've got to draw to God. That's why I've got to build this, 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 this protection with him so, so that he will be my comfort, that he will be my strength when I'm going through these things in our, my life. Amen. So I want to maintain my prayer, my heart of fasting with him. Amen. Number three, I want to purchase just the things that I need, not things that I want. See, I need to purchase what I need, not what I want. Because if I purchase what I want, I'm going to find myself getting in a habit of just buying things, buying things. You know, that's like a lot of parents is in debt because they just keep buying their kids everything they're asking for. It's not what they need. See, give them what they need, not what they want. You know, teach them if they want something and and let them buy. Usually it makes a difference, you know, when they have to save their own money to get it, you know. So you're teaching them how to bring their flesh under subjection. Amen. Number four, amen, don't try to keep up with the Joneses, amen. You don't know Brother Jones' parents may have left him and his will millions and millions of dollars. We don't know that. So he has the finances to do whatever he wants to do, to go on a cruise, to buy a chip or whatever, you know. He may have that ability, and you may not. But if I try to keep up with them, I could go deeper and deeper in debt. And the enemy knows that. Amen? So those are just some ways we have to build our contentment in the Lord. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusted against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, Paul says in Galatians five sixteen, so that you would not do what you will. Amen. See, so Satan knows his time is limited, and so now he has unleashed everything he can and to this world to try to destroy us. Amen. Satan wants us to follow him. And so this is why he tries to, to entice us through 
Amen. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Amen. Our flesh is a stronghold because from children, as I said at the onset, we are fed. The flesh is, flesh is definitely, and so we struggle to try to bring it under subjection. But this is why we can't lean to our own understanding. We have to lean to Jesus Christ. Amen. Satan wants you to follow him, and he does it through the flesh and the eye. Amen. When people start to elevate you, now we're shifting a little bit here to the third thing, the pride of life. Amen. You remember when the young ruler came to Jesus and called him good master? And Jesus says, there's none good, no, not one. See, a lot of times people will start to elevate you when you do a good job, you're a good worker or whatever. So you have to be careful because it's easy for pride to be able to get in the way. Pride go before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. You know, one of the things today that the eyes begin to appease is through makeup, jewelry, haircuts, different. If you watch the world today, you know, different men's haircuts, uh, facial hair, all these things are are starting to, to come in, different attire of clothing, all these things. We have to be careful. You know, there's nothing wrong with looking good, okay? You know, we should look our best for the Lord. But we have to make sure that what we buy and what we're doing is not for the appeasing of the flesh and to give us a prideful status. Okay? That's why you got to be careful. What you find in the world today, you got GQ magazines and some of these other magazines and stuff that are, that are out there, uh, that are trying to appease to the flesh. You know, you walk into a, a lot of the malls and stuff and, you know, the body piercing, the tattoos and all this stuff is to appease to our flesh. So you have to be careful. You know, as we said last week, Paul says, when I was a child, I thought I was a child, I act like a child, but when I came a man or a woman, I put that stuff away. You know, so you have to be careful. The world is going to tell you as soon as you see a wrinkle or a gray hair, oh, you need to get rid of that. You're getting old. Yeah. You don't think I didn't know I was getting old when I was born? <laughs> Son, I was born, I'm getting old. Matter of fact, in Asia, by the time you're born, they say you're already one year old. They, they go back to when you conceive in your mother's womb. You know, and so when you're born, they already classify you as being a year old. You know, so, but we have to make sure that, you know, we don't follow the trends of the world. Skinny jeans and, you know, sagging pants and, you know, the, the goatees and all this stuff, the facial hair and all this stuff that's coming out now. And the men's hair is longer than women's hair and the women's bumping their hair off and stuff. That's all to appease the flesh. See? That's what, is, that's what the world is doing is trying to get you to appease to the flesh. Because they know once they get you on that track, it's going to cost you a whole lot to stay on that track. And, you know, I, I used to, I, I know the woman probably wanted to kill me one day in the PX. I walked in and she had this lady. She was uh, an Asian lady working in a PX and she was selling 
cosmetic products and she had this lady in in the in the chair and she was putting on all this makeup and stuff on her and stuff and she was saying to oh you're gonna look so beautiful you're gonna look so beautiful when i finish oh this is gonna your husband is gonna love you more when he see you like this i says no he's not I says, he's going to probably hate you when he finds out that you have spent that kind of money on that product. Yeah. I said, you better wake up. You get on that track, and that's where they want to keep you on that track. There's men and women that is 70 and 80 years old that's trying to be 16 and 17. I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen. I am not 16 anymore. I'm 66. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna be like I used to be. You know, no. And they trying to push all this stuff. You know, my doctor asked. I won't say it. <laughs> But I'm, I'm here to tell you, we can't get on that track, you know, because if you get on that track to try to appease your flesh, you're never going to get off of it. Because once you start spending finances and things to try to stay young and to look good and to look beautiful, what does Proverbs 31.30 say, ladies? Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Her husband will praise her in the gates. Her children will rise up and call her blessed. Amen. Your character, that's what's more important than anything else. Amen. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars, amen, on makeup and jewelry and all this stuff to try to make you look good. God made you beautiful in His eyes. He made you the way He wants you to be. You are beautiful in His eyes. Amen. Your character is more important than outward beauty. If character is good at end, it's going to come out. The beauty will be seen in who you are. Amen. This is what God desires. So don't think that outward beauty is where it's at. If you got inward character, believe me, your outward beauty is beautiful. Amen. That's what God desires. Amen. Don't fall into the trap of this world. Because Victoria don't have any secrets. Amen. Amen. So so be be careful in this stuff. Amen. Praise God. Where am I at? Oh, mine's 8 o'clock. Amen. I'll stop here. and We'll talk about the pride of life next week and how to overcome with some more contentment and lusting of the eye and stuff of that nature. Amen. So, so build that wall now. Start for building the wall through prayer, reading the Word of God, become a doer of God's Word, and allow God's Word to continue to strengthen you in every area of your life. And prepare yourself for the, the uncertainties of life. You know, that's just like that reason. You know why you have a savings account? In, in case something breaks, something goes wrong, you got some money to fall back on to fix the stock so that you don't run into debt. Yeah? That's why you do these things. Amen. We have, 
See, that's how Paul says, I've learned contentment. Amen. Tribulations work patience. Patience experience. Experience hope. Hope make us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our lives by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Amen. Praise God. All right. Don't forget Sunday morning. There it is. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. See you this Sunday. Amen. So build that relationship with the Lord. Study the word. Apply the word. Amen. And know that he's worthy. And keep Sister Janet in prayer. Keep the Bells in prayer. Keep the Millers in prayer. Keep the Pembertons in prayer. Her job. Amen. So let's see. Who else? Your family. Sister Sandy. Sister Barb. Brother Terry. Keep everybody. Brother Jesse. Keep everybody in prayer. Amen. Amen. Our nation. Especially our nation. Huh? Amen. All of us in prayer. Amen. Father, we love you so much tonight, God. Thank you for your goodness, O oh God, I pray. Lord, you are worthy of all thanksgiving, and we honor you, Lord, again tonight for your love towards us. Be with your people. Keep your hand upon them, Lord God, I pray. Let your angels camp round about them. Father, protect them from all hurt, harm, and danger. And we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.